You're listening to the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Here we go. Hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on episode number 14 of the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you two key concepts. The first, I'm going to go over how do you determine what's really going on with a candidate or a client, and how do you make the decision about what to do? How do you keep from making the wrong decision about what to do with them? Second concept, I'm going to share with you seven telephone tips that will help you be more successful. So first, let me share with you a story about a situation that happened to me two months ago. My fiance and I both come from different religious backgrounds. She grew up Pentecostal, and I'm Episcopalian, and I can't think of anything uh, more, more different that's part of the same faith. So sometimes we'll go to Trinity Episcopal here in Asheville where I go to church and other times we'll go to a service that's that's kind of in the middle. It's a large mega church that we both enjoy. Uh, the pastor there is an amazing presenter. He's one of the best speakers I've ever seen. So I really like going there. And the church put in some new risers. And so two months ago, we're sitting in the riser section in the back of the church. I'm about the third row up from the bottom of the floor and about five rows behind me throughout the whole sermon, this lady is mumbling and talking to the guy next to her, even though it's in a hushed voice, I can hear it. It's just driving me insane. And I turn to my fiance, I say, what is going on? She says, I don't know. Five minutes later, she's still talking during the sermon. And I'm like, how can she be doing this? What is that lady thinking? It's driving me nuts. So me being the assertive person that I am, I turned to her, and I was trying to be really polite, and I don't know if there's a polite way to do this, but I put my finger over my lips, and I go, shh. And I turn and face the front, and I expect her to quiet down, and she's still mumbling. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And I turned to my fiancé, and I said, can you believe the nerve? I shushed that lady, and she's still talking during the sermon. I can't believe how rude she is. And my fiancé turned and looked at her and said, oh, she's translating the sermon for somebody else in a different language. And at that point, I felt so embarrassed and humiliated. I was the first person out, and I haven't been back since. And I felt really embarrassed by that because I made a decision that affected somebody else. I made a judgment that was incorrect. I thought, what is someone going to be talking? I mean, they're, drive- they're driving me nuts. And I, and I didn't stop and I didn't think it through. What are the possibilities of what's really going on? What are all the options, all the different variables that are taking place that would cause someone to make noise during a sermon? Well, translating a sermon for somebody else from Russia? That, that seems like a pretty accurate read. I didn't figure that out until after it was too late. Kind of reminds me what happens when candidates don't call you back. How do you really know what's going on? Or when your clients aren't responsive? I talk to recruiters all the time because of the amount of coaching that I do, especially nowadays since I'm really limiting my travel and all my my training is virtual. Uh, Every week when I talk to someone, there's always some scenario about clients not being responsive or candidates not following through or whatever it is. And I always look at, well, let's figure out what's really going on. We have to follow these four principles to be able to find out what's really going on and make correct decisions so we don't embarrass ourselves. I remember I had a candidate once that I was calling him on a Wednesday because my client wants to schedule the face-to-face for next week. And the candidate seemed pretty motivated, left a message for him, call me right away. Wednesday afternoon, he didn't call me. Thursday morning, he didn't call me. Thursday afternoon, he didn't call me. Friday morning, I called him again. I left him an email. 
didn't call me. I, I even said, call me over the weekend. We want to schedule this for early next week. Monday, I called him again, Monday afternoon. And this time I left a pretty terse message, kind of the equivalent of me telling that lady, shush. I said, listen, Jerry, you've told me you're interested. I've left three messages for you and two emails, and I haven't heard back. And frankly, I don't know what to tell my client now. I'd appreciate the professional courtesy of a return phone call. And it was kind of a, a judgmental sort of tone. And he called me back that night about 9.30, and he left a message on my voicemail. And he said, I'm really sorry, Scott. My little girl was hit by a car, middle part of last week, and we spent the last four days in the hospital. She's going to live, and she's fine, and everything's great, but that's what's going on. I lost that candidate because I was too quick to make a judgment, and I let my anger, and I'll teach him a lesson. How dare he treat me with that level of disrespect? I let that get the better of me. See, people say, Scott, you know so much about the business. Well, that's because I've been beat up more than most people. That's the only reason why, because I've been doing it for so long. And there are these certain trends and patterns that we see. And that's why I teach the business based on systems. When you understand the system, then you'll come up with the right solutions. I really believe this. Most recruiters, they don't need more training. They need more doing, and they need to do things a little bit differently. We just need to tweak it. When I work with folks, we're not going to do a quantum change to your model. We're just going to tweak things just a little bit. Sometimes it's teaching people how to ask different questions or how to ascertain what's really going on in someone's mind by giving them little, little tests and things like that. One of the principles that we use in trying to figure out what's going on with other people is this, that we always give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't make a judgment just yet. Don't jump to any conclusions until you have all the information. We're living in a world of incomplete information, so we can make some assumptions, but we don't want to make any final decisions until we have all the information. Second principle is this, that we want to give people not just the chance to, to, to give them the benefit of the doubt, give people the chance to prove themselves by communicating with them, sometimes by testing them with their actions. A third principle that we follow is what I call the second cardinal rule of human behavior. The first one is that people only do what's in their own best interest. And if you've ever been to any of my seminars or whatever, you know that I teach the, 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 the two cardinal rules and then the six principles of influence is, is really the backbone of what our industry is. Because when you can figure out how to read other people and how to influence them, you can solve any problem that you'll encounter just by understanding those concepts. The second cardinal rule of human behavior is that people are predictable and consistent. The way they behave in the beginning of the process is how they're going to behave at the end. Most of the time. There's always, there's always, uh, it's, it's not a guarantee, it's a probability. If a candidate is slow to respond to you, they tell you they're going to get the resume by Tuesday, but they don't get it to you by Friday, that's how they're going to behave throughout the rest of the process. I've never heard of any candidates all of a sudden getting better in terms of their responsiveness as a process goes on. If you have a candidate that is giving you an indication that they're going to be difficult to work with later on in the process, well, well, that, that's probably an accurate read for how they behave now. So you can test candidates. You can send them, let's say you talked with a candidate, you got the resume, you have a question, send them an email asking them that question. Ask for them to get back to you by the end of the day or first thing next business day and tell them why I need to talk to my client by tomorrow afternoon so I'd like to hear back from you at the latest tomorrow morning and see how quickly they respond. If they don't get back to you, we don't rule them out. We don't make a judgment. 
we don't assume that they're not interested or they're incompetent or whatever but we keep an eye on them so we want to give people the benefit of the doubt but we also want to get backup always get backup candidates always activity is the biggest solution for any problem that a recruiter has I've got a candidate right now that he's an amazing candidate my clients opportunity fits him perfectly and we're in the process of setting up the interview and I'm setting up the telephone interview and we're about to set it all up and at the end of the conversation he says you know what I don't think I'm interested in the phone interview I said why is that he says well that sounds like a phone screen and that's what we do with candidates when we're not interested and I told him I said well my client wants to expedite this my client lives in the Richmond and works in the Richmond office you're in DC he wants to do this soon and build a relationship with you that's all now I think I want to meet with someone face to face so I'm thinking, okay, I can arrange a meeting with somebody else in the D.C. office. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also going to keep an eye on him. And um, if there's another situation of him acting in a high-maintenance way like this, then he's probably not going to be the best candidate for my client. I, might, I let my client know this also. I, I said there's an indication of the candidate being somewhat, I don't want to say uncooperative, but let's just say he might be high-maintenance told him what's going on I said my recommendation is to continue going forward but in the meantime I'm gonna get some backup candidates for you we want to keep an eye on the guy and see if something like this happens again now we have more complete information maybe he didn't understand what I said earlier maybe he didn't maybe he misinterpreted it maybe I didn't communicate it the right way maybe I didn't stroke his ego enough who knows we'll keep him in the process but we're gonna get some backup candidates Finally, the final principle that we follow in these situations is to let people save face. If a candidate doesn't get back to you right away, and if they seem apologetic by that, let them off the hook. Always give people a way out. Give them a way that they can save face. So if they call you back, I'm really sorry, I hadn't had a chance to get back with you. Uh, hey, don't worry about it, Joe. It's no big deal. I'm understanding. I appreciate you calling me today and I'm really glad that we could talk today one thing I will ask you though that as we go on uh, my calls are going to be more time sensitive so I'm wanting to know if as we continue if you can get back to me within 24 hours of me leaving a message for you and then always do what I call the the two magic questions to confirm their agreement and their acceptance of commitment to you first one is does that make sense to you Joe yes it does are you okay with that yes I am it's what I call tying down their commitment. There's no such thing as people guaranteeing their commitment to you, but people want to remain true to their word. They want to honor the obligations that they give to other people. And by asking them to give you a commitment to cooperate, you're going to solve most of the problems in the business, and you'll never have to make incorrect assumptions about people again. Now this next segment is from the coaching club. If you're not familiar with it, the information's on my website. It's a, it's a modestly priced training and development program for recruiters where you get a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not gonna go into it, but one of the things that we do have are weekly group coaching calls. It's the only place in the industry where you can connect with other recruiters and hear what's going on. Where every week I do, I open it up to Q&A. What are the issues that recruiters have? we celebrate people's deals and we learn from their placements 
And then I also start each call off with about 10 to 15 minutes of training on some sort of a relevant topic. And that's what you're going to hear uh, from one of the recent programs I did on seven telephone tips that will help you be more successful. Take a listen, and I hope this helps you out. It might feel awkward for you. 
So I just want you to try it today. Before the end of the day, at least one person that you talk to, whether it's a candidate or a client, and you ask them a question, what's keeping you from being completely happy, and they give you an answer, say, tell me more about that, or how so, or why do you say that? Exactly. What do you mean by that? Get more information from them. Just start the habit of asking encouragement statements. Number two, there's another, uh, uh, there, there's just so much in that book, transitioning statements. He says that when we're talking with a candidate, let, let's say we're talking with a candidate, and the candidate told us what's keeping them from being happy and what their ideal situation would be. Remember, when we talk to candidates, we want to find out what's keeping you from being completely satisfied. In other words, what are those pushes that are going to pull them out of the company? And then we find out what does your ideal situation look like? What are those things that are going to pull them to something else? We find those things out before we tell them about the opportunity, and then we can use a transitioning statement. Based on what you've told me, I really think there might be some things that you would get real excited about with this opportunity. So we want to transition. We've done the question asking. Now we want to tell them about the opportunity. The best way to do that is to have a transitioning statement. Number three, uh, paraphrase your understanding. So let's say the candidate told you about those motivations. So, Bob, let's review what you just shared with me. Bottom line is this. You don't feel respected by your management, and you're frustrated because of the policies, and you feel frustrated professionally because there's a limit to how far you can progress in your career with your company. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that's right. And then we could use that transitioning statement. Well, based on what you've told me about your professional frustration and where you want to go in your career, I think it might make sense to consider what my client's opportunity is. So let me share that with you. Uh, number four, always get next steps. Anytime you talk to anyone at any part of the process, whether it's the initial recruit call or the interviews are taking place or we've got the offer coming forward or the candidate's turning their notice in, you always want to know, Who's going to do next? Who's going to do what next and when? So here's an example. I, I talked with a candidate last week that referred me to uh, someone that he worked with, who w wants to make a move. I left a, a sending her an email. She called me this morning. She and I talked. I found out about her professional frustration, what her ideal situation is, based on what you've told me. Uh, this is what I recommend with my client. You know. And, and, and it sounds good, and she's going to check it out. And so I got her to give me a commitment, a commitment of sending me the resume today. And she didn't know, she didn't, wasn't really sure about my client. She said, "Well, let me do some research on that." And I said, "That sounds great." I said, uh, "Let's you and I touch base tomorrow afternoon. And if you want to go forward, we'll just take this a step at a time and see where it goes." But what I did, I brought closure. On, who, on what's going to happen next. Let's you and I touch base sometime tomorrow. So that means that if she doesn't call me, I'm probably going to call her. Sometimes I'll tell people, I'll call you, or why don't you call me. But if I don't want to lose power in the relationship, if I don't want to lose my posture, if I ask them to call me and they don't call me and I call them, then I lose power. I'll say, let you and I touch base sometime tomorrow. Right? I think I told her I'd call her. Uh, how about I call you sometime tomorrow afternoon and we'll go from there. And, and another good tip, another tip is, if you want to end the conversation, all you have to do is say the phrase, 
we'll go from there. Okay, that's an easy way to end the call and to get off the call to go on to somebody else. But you always want to know what's going to happen next and when. I remember the very first manager I had, Jim Vockley, he would, uh, he would, I would tell about, okay, the client and the candidate are excited. They want to have a face-to-face. Well, who's going to set that up? Well, I don't know. Why don't you know? Well, they didn't say. Well, how come they didn't say? Well, I didn't ask. We always want to know who's going to be calling whom next. So if you're at the phase where the interview is going to be taking place, you want to know who is going to call whom. Is the candidate going to call the client? And if so, when? You always want to know what's going to happen next and when. Tip number five. Uh, Art talks about in his book getting future commitments from people. He said that people want to be congruent to commitments that they make. They want to fulfill their commitments. It's one thing to ask someone, consider us if you ever want to make a move, but it's something else is to ask a question. If you ever decide to make a move in your career, would you call us? Sure. So let's say you talk with the candidate, and the good the rapport is good. Joe, before we get off the phone, let me get your contact info, and I'm going to send you uh, all of my contact info. And you get the email, say, terrific. I appreciate the referrals. And all I wanted to ask was this, Joe, if at any point in your career you ever want to make a move, I just wanted to ask if you'd, if you'd call me in the future. If you ever want to make a move, will you, will you call me? Sure. Or I just wanted to see if you, if you ever hear about other people that are very sharp that want to make a move, would you have them call me? Sure. They're making a commitment to you. I've never used that one before. I'm going to start using it. I'm going to try that. That's just a new concept. I learned this by reading Art's book. Number six, eliminating no-shows. I've always noticed that when I call a candidate and they're interested, I can't talk now, but call me later. Terrific. What time uh, works for you? I've got 3 o'clock open. Yeah, 3 o'clock works. And then I call them, and they're not there. And I get frustrated by that. And Art said, here's, an, here's a tip that will eliminate no-shows, is to explain to people, because he even said in his book that people don't honor telephone appointments as much as they honor face-to-face appointments, meetings. It's easy to blow somebody off. It's easy not to take their call when you schedule it. Do this. Say, let's do this. Let's, I work by calendar just like yourself. My time is very busy, so I found that it works best for everybody if I schedule my appointments over the phone. So I've got my calendar open. How are you looking today at 3 o'clock? That looks great. Great. Go ahead and pencil me there. Here's my email address. Here's my phone number. If you can't keep that, will you email me if you can't make it? Or if you can't make it, will you email me to let me know that? Or will you call me to let me know that? I'm going to try that. Because I would bet if I'm asking for someone's commitment, they're telling me, sure. Who would say no to that? You're going to increase the odds of people actually being there for the telephone calls. And I know it seems like in our world, getting someone on the phone is a core competency. In the world of recruiting, just being able to get someone on the telephone is a core competency. Once you get them on the line, you don't want to let it get them off the line, but they can't talk then. They have to schedule something later. Try that. Just like yourself, Joe, I'm very busy, so I found that it always works best for me to work by calendar. What are some time slots that you have available tomorrow, uh, this afternoon or tomorrow morning? Terrific. 3 o'clock, that's great. 
go, let me go ahead and give you my email address. I've got you down. If you can't make that, will you call me? If you can't make that and you have to reschedule, will you let me, or will you email me? Email would probably be more appropriate. If you can't make that, will you email me? Sure. Next tip, and the last one, tip number seven. If you're talking to someone and they seem too busy, you've had this happen, where they say, you know, listen, I'm really busy right now, I can't talk, but they know why you're calling. Try this. I've never done this one. This is another new idea. Will we be able to talk more about this later this week? I can't talk now. Call me later. Sounds great, Joe. Just like yourself, I work by calendar. What's some time that you have open? Terrific. I'll pencil you in. If you can't make it, will you email me? Sure. Or you could also try this. Will, will we be able to talk more about this later this week? So let's say if you talk to someone, they can't talk. Say, will we be able to talk more about this later this week? You're getting a commitment. In other words, I think the whole point of what he's asking for in commitments is getting people to say yes. Asking them, will we be able to do this? Yes. When people give those commitments, they're less inclined to back off from you and, and to not do what they say. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Visit my website for free tools that will help you build more at greatrecruitertraining.com.